Hello, and welcome to Peabody's podcast. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Elizabeth W. Marshall, and you're listening to Episode 4. If you are joining us for the very first time, or if you've been with us from the very beginning, thank you for making time in your week for us. We'd like to remind you that you can find us and follow us on Instagram. We are Peabody's Podcast there, and we post several times a week, telling stories and pursuing the art of noticing on social media. And soon we'll be on Twitter. We are building our Twitter wings and hope to be able to connect with you there in the next few days. Here at Peabody's, we're on a mission of sorts. We're on a mission to connect with fellow artists, to support writers and artists by discussing their current projects which reflect their passions. We're on a mission to uncover and discover everyday beauty, awe, and wonder by looking at life through the lens of the artists, by offering authentic conversations and insights into the fine art of noticing. Let's pursue the art of noticing together, shall we? Today, I am honored to have Drew Allison, puppeteer, founder of Gray Seal Puppets, as my guest on Peabody's podcast. His company biography reads, in part, as follows. Well known for their trademark whimsical approach to storytelling and exquisite puppet design, Gray Seal Puppets offers a variety of puppet performances sure to tickle your fancy. Their repertoire includes a variety of productions from familiar fairy tales such as The Emperor's New Clothes to original stories, Bathtub Pirates. The company's 30-year history includes such honors as three citations of excellence from Unima USA, International Puppetry Organization, the President's Award from the Puppeteers of America, and the Award for Leadership in Theater from the North Carolina Theater Conference. Gray Seal Puppets offers custom character design services. Their work includes not only puppet design, but also mascot characters, special, specialty costuming, and props. Gray Seal has created characters for clients such as the Cartoon Network, the New Orleans Hornets, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, and the Charlotte Bobcats. Drew Allison is the founder of Gray Seal Puppets. He is involved in all phases of production. For the past 30 years, Drew has performed regularly on television and stage, including such venues as the Center for Puppetry Arts, the Smithsonian Institution, the Detroit Institute of Art, the Tampa Theater, and the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Sometimes he sits alone in the houses of these great theaters before the audience arrives and listens to the quiet sounds that the theater makes all on its own, and he's happy he's a puppeteer. In 1994, Drew was awarded the President's Award by the Puppeteers of America for Outstanding Achievement in the Art of Puppetry.
And now join me for a conversation with Drew Allison, artist, puppeteer, friend. I interviewed Drew as he worked on one of his puppets, needle and thread in hand, at the Gray Seal Studio located here in the town of McClellanville, a shrimping village in the South Carolina Low Country. Good morning, Drew. Good morning, Elizabeth. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me into Gray Seal Puppet Studio. This is fascinating. It's such a joy to be here and to watch you actually at your craft, working as we speak on a puppet. Well, you know, I love this space. We feel so lucky to have such a quaint little space. Uh, I know you love your mercy and the, the his, history in it. and. Uh, this building doesn't have near that history, but it's been here a while and it's so fun coming here to work on the golf cart in our little shrimp town that we both love so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's fascinating to look around and see all the, um, the tools of the trade and to have you here. I really appreciate your being my guest. Um, well, let's get started. I, I have some things that um, I think would be really fascinating to hear you speak to. The first of which is this question of how you became a puppeteer and how you discovered and, and uncovered this particular art form. Um, I'd love to hear you speak on that. Well, you know, I get asked that a lot and um, I remember having a fascination with puppetry and the, the concept of um, animating inanimate objects from a very young age, probably three or four, watching uh, Captain Kangaroo while I was uh, eating bananas sliced up in milk, which was odd, but that's what I ate every morning. <laughs> <laughs> and just being fascinated by these puppets and, and always having a desire to try to make a puppet of my own to try to animate it and, and bring it to life. And so I would make these super crude puppets and then there was this uh, scarecrow phase I went to went through where um, I remember our, our hallway just lined with these scarecrows that I made and just just making things that, that I could move and try to bring to life was always fascinating and then my parents um, got me a book on making puppets when I was about 10 for Christmas and then it was really game on I really got serious about making puppets and then um, about the time I was in middle school, someone said, um, would you come do some puppets for my child's birthday party? We'll pay you $10. And I was like, wait, what? I can get paid for this? <laughs> um, so my parents used to take me around to do these performances. And um, in, then in high school, I started this company, Grace Soul Puppets, just on, on a whim, you know, it was like, well, I don't know, let's do this, and uh, I don't know. And so were you an Elton John fan? <laughs> you know, not a lot of people know that, but I was a huge Elton John fan, and um, Grace Seal is a deep cut on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I'm familiar with it. It's a favorite, favorite album from my teen years, well, and we still are, today. <laughs> me too, and we are almost exactly the same age, so yes. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, I love that song, and I don't remember exactly why, but that was definitely the inspiration for the name of the company. Well, I love hearing how this was an early passion for you, and um, knowing you, I know that the passion is still there, and so I'd love to hear about 
um, a little bit about your most recent and most exciting project, that project that um, fuels your passion even today and what gets you out of bed with that excitement to get into the studio in the morning. You know, I, what I think keeps it fresh and um, engaging and uh, energizing for me is uh, getting to, to come to work and do something different every day. That was always mm. the um, attraction to me uh, uh, for being uh, to be to be a puppeteer. It's one of the few theater forms where, if you want to, you can wear all the hats. Um, there's a business sense that's necessary to run a small business like this, um, a marketing sense, uh, a creative sense, obviously. Um, you get to write, you get to design, you get to build something, mm. all with an eye towards uh, fruition, which is the performance. So basically, as a puppeteer, we see ourselves as uh, storytellers. and. Um, Maybe by noticing what's going on around us and then sort of putting that into the stories we tell, whether it's an adaptation of a, an existing fairy tale, folk tale, or an original story, but using puppets as the tools to tell the story, um, that's always been an amazing thing for me. And it can be uh, telling a story on stage, telling a story on camera, or telling a story by building a character which are really the three areas that we're in here in at Graysail Puppets. Um, I found early on uh, the business plan that worked best for us is having several irons in the fire at once. Um, obviously it's hard uh, making a living in the arts, in the theater uh, world. And one thing that's worked for us is to have those three irons in the fire on stage performances. We have a repertoire of six different shows that I take out into schools, theaters, libraries across the country. Um, I do a lot of on-camera work using puppets as well. Broadcast commercials, non-broadcast corporate training tapes. Um, so uh, obviously Jim Manson and the Muppets proved that um, puppets on camera are a great marriage of, of media. And so um, that's something that's always intrigued me as well. And then my love of building characters for myself sort of um, led to uh, building characters for other people, puppets for other puppeteers, puppets for um, church ministries. And that led to building mascot characters for sports teams, corporations, uh, colleges. And so th that kind of morphed into these three areas of uh, that we're in, on camera, on stage, and then custom construction. And that philosophy so far has worked to keep the revenue streams coming in here um, to where we can keep doing what we're doing. It must be really rewarding to have, um, to be able to see your art um, cross over in so many different types of um, venues. I mean, everything from pro athletic mascots I don't know if you yeah. can share any of those yeah. or if those are top secret, um, into the school system, into church ministry, into companies that use your um, puppets as, as representation of the brand. Um, right. Yes. And um, each of those different projects brings something different for us to the table, um, which is creatively energizing as well. So, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a performance of our own, um, 
that, that uh, maybe it's a show I've been doing for over 10 years. Um, when I'm doing a performance, I do all the voices live. So that keeps it real fresh for me and enables me to be able to tweak a performance. So even though I've been doing a performance for hundreds of times, I may find something on that 500th performance mm -hmm. that I could try and it would be something new, mm. um, new and fresh for the audience, new and fresh for me as a performer. So that, that keeps it, keeps it interesting. And I would imagine you get instant feedback on your art from audience members. Yeah, you know, that's another interesting thing about performing on stage and on camera. It's very, very different the way we do it. On stage, it's a very sort of broad movement of puppets to play, say, to the back of a theater or the back of a multi-purpose room with 400 students. And there is that immediate reaction to what you're doing, whereas on camera, it's a very close-up medium. Mm. So just a slight twist of a wrist is going to give a, a reaction in a puppet that you could never get on stage. So it's a very different kind of gratification and a very delayed gratification because our on-camera work is you're often more of a cog in a big wheel with pre-production folks, a mm -hmm. director, other people, lighting people, uh, post-production people, editing, um, as you know, putting together um, your uh, th this product here. Um, the podcast has some of those same um, properties right. where it's sort of a delayed gratification as opposed to instant gratification. And I enjoy being able to do both. It's a very different feel to each other. Um, so early on, just a couple moments ago when we first started this conversation, um, you referenced your role as a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And um, storytelling is something that I'm passionate about as well. I love the art of storytelling. I love reading about storytelling. I love listening to good storytellers. So let me just ask you this. In your daily life, do you ever learn a lesson yourself or encounter something that you feel like I can take that that I've that bump in my road or that joy I've discovered and I can weave that into a story and take it into my art of being a storyteller and a puppeteer uh, absolutely yeah I'm constantly um, noticing well on a more physical um, thought about that question is constantly looking at people's faces. Um, puppetry is, for me, is exaggeration. So it's not trying to make a replica of something, but it's taking the essence of something and maybe exaggerating it or um, drawing the viewer uh, or the participant in this, you know, listening to the story to a certain aspect of a character. Um, and then there's also things like we were building a, a show called Salsa Cinderella, which is the story of Cinderella, but it, we transposed all the characters to ingredients mm. in salsa. Mm. So Cinderella is a pepper, the prince is a pepper, the fairy godmother is a tomato. Um, so there's all these characters. But as we were building that show, we read an article about Frida Kahlo, one of my favorite artists. Yes, yes. Um, and they had found a trunk of hers, uh, and when they opened it, it was full of her clothing, and you could still smell her perfume and her cigarettes. So that vicariousness was uh, 
inspirational to us. So we we designed uh, the clothes, the costumes um, for Cinderella to mimic the Frida Kahlo's look. That's which, wonderful. Yeah. So there's that kind of um, thing going on constantly, just noticing concurrent things happening yes. during the creative process. Weaving them into. And weaving them mm -hmm. into. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. Yes. Um. So. Talk to me just a little bit about, if you would, this um, this world of puppeteers, this universe of puppeteers, the artists that you know worldwide and um, here in the United States. You have such a sense of community, and I know as a writer, a sense of community is important important for me. Um, and I love making connections with other writers, um, developing friendships, and. As you know, we talked earlier um, about the writing group I'm in and how we support one another. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what about how you support one another within community, and then as um, as a part of that, who have you looked to um, in the past? Other artists that you would say have mentored you or inspired you? You just referenced one. But. Yes, yes. Um, Puppeteers uh, obviously run the gamut. There's there's puppeteers that are hard at work uh, in this country on one end of the spectrum that I never come in contact with. Say um, puppeteers doing um, a huge amount of puppetry in feature films now that you would never realize were, were puppets. Um, and there's a whole sector of the puppet world um, doing that kind of work. A uh, lot of on-camera, obviously puppetry on-camera is having a real renaissance. Um, puppetry uh, for adults uh, is having a real renaissance in this country. So um, puppetry is having a real uptick uh, of uh, enthusiasm and support um, going on in, in this country, uh, uh, which is encouraging because I think that's been the case in Europe where uh, puppetry has had much more respect than it's had mm -hmm. here in the United States, but I think that hopefully is changing. Um, so I definitely have puppeteers who do very similar things to what I do. I refer to myself often as a blue-collar puppeteer because I'm kind of <laughs> out there in the trenches doing shows in schools and theaters, um, libraries, and um, there are uh, other puppeteers doing that too. So we definitely reach out and, and share ideas and uh, talk about um, ways that we uh, we are surviving doing this and there are a couple of um, puppet national puppet organizations that I belong to the Puppeteers of America which is an amazing organization and then there's a worldwide organization called UNIMA uh, U-N-I-M-A uh, and there's a, a chapter here in the USA and that's a, a international organization of puppetry that uh, has a, a lofty goal of um, creating and encouraging peace through puppetry. Mm, um, oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so um, through those organizations, it's a way of connecting with other puppeteers. They, they put on festivals and conferences where we all go, and we, we not only see performances, but um, there's workshops. But more so than that, there's time to connect. You know, there's late night, uh, bottle of wine, right. talking about puppetry, talking about um, theory, Talk about anything. It's just, just a nice way to recharge. That sense of community is so rich. Exactly. Because as we know, 
when you sit in a room with your pen and paper or you sit in the room the studio with your needle and thread it can be a being an artist can be lonely sometimes. It is. It's like <laughs> a little is this, isolating. Is this working? <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah. Because you're in a vacuum. A lot of puppeteers work by themselves, like I do, um, and it's you can start second guessing yourself. So that I'm familiar uh, with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, that. Um, yeah. Encouragement and um, sense of connectedness. So um, I look at the world often through a lens of poetry, and I see poetry in what you do. I, I look at it as a poetic, a type of poetry. Um, and I feel like I can say things within the confines of a poem that I can't say any other way. And so I'm thinking that puppetry is similar, that a puppet can, can speak to a child or even to an adult in a way that is, um, well, We've talked about this before in conversation about how a puppet can relay something that's a heavy topic or an important topic, and it gives it a softness and it's not as um, prickly, maybe. Yes, yes. Um, I think you know you were talking about your poetry. I think the poetry of puppetry. Uh, I learned early on that the power of puppets is movement. Um, that's the, the fascination, that's where the whimsy, where the stop and take notice of almost any age uh, can, can be seen. That's the power of puppets. Um, they can tell a story, they can tell a poem just by through their movements. Um, and that's always been the challenge and the intrigue for me. Um, for years uh, at our church where we lived in Charlotte before we moved here, uh, I did a piece every Monday, Thursday on, um, it was very abstract and it was nonverbal and it was a very abstract character who, uh, to, the, to the hymn, um, when I survey the wondrous cross, would basically um, survey the mm. congregation mm. and then survey this cross that was upstage mm. uh, behind this puppet. And then this puppet would physically put himself on the cross. Oh, how powerful. And it was so abstract that you, as a someone watching it, could make it in malleable. It mm. could be made into what you wanted. And mm. without a word, this became something powerful for people in different ways. And you could hear the soft sobs. Mm. And to me, that's the power of puppetry. And the power of art. And the power of art. Conveying something to your audience and, and hearing it work. A beautiful story and and you can see I know that has to be as an artist um, rewarding to see the emotion and feel the emotion in the sanctuary I think that's the goal of any performer any artist is to make their audience feel some sort of emotion Absolutely. maybe it's happy maybe it's sad yes, exactly but feel something right yeah um, well I know you have strong feelings about Jim Henson Yes. <laughs> and I know um, often some of us that may have been um, born when we were born are familiar with Jim Henson. Even my children, my adult children, I'm sure younger generations, he really has such a, a large legacy. People know that name. Um, and he's impacted you as an artist. He has, yes. Um, you know, just as a, as a young boy watching Sesame Street and just being blown away by, the, again, the power of puppets and how they could teach um, teach things so simply. That's, that's another thing that, you know, that simple is best and just 
a child on a brick wall talking to Kermit, some of the most powerful moments um, that, that there are. And then actually having the, the chance a couple times uh, as, a, as a teenager to meet him at these puppet festivals that I was talking about, of which he was a strong advocate mm. um, and strong supporter of nurturing young puppeteers, mm. which is awesome. He was uh, pouring back into the craft yes. to bring up the next generation because if he were alive today, he would be 80. He would have just turned 80, yeah. Mm. So he was a strong advocate of support, not only monetarily, but just by being there mm. and supporting other puppeteers um, and just never being content uh, in, in his circle of comfort. He's constantly pushing his boundaries through things like the Dark Crystal, um, Labyrinth, amazing films like that. You just wonder what, what, as an 80-year-old, he would be doing if he hadn't died so young, so tragically. So he's just an, an amazing influence on me. Uh, Frida Kahlo is an amazing influence on me still. Just her art and the way she lived her life. I've always been fascinated by um, the work of Alexander Calder. I think a lot of puppeteers are fascinated by his studies of movement and um, abstractness, which, uh, which you can see in my work. I, I love abstract characters. So those, those are some artists that I, I look to um, for inspiration, um, as well as some fellow puppeteers of mine that, that I really am inspired by their work. Um, I, it's amazing. I discover new inspiration myself every day if I just continue to look. And that was a great lesson that you just mentioned for all of us to make sure that we pour into that generation um, that's coming up behind us with art in any way we can. Um, and I love, you spend an enormous amount of time in schools and libraries. Um, so I would love for people to find out more about what you do because I think I could stay in here another hour, but I'm going to awesome. thank you again for letting me come into the studio, and I want people to be able to learn about you, so can you just tell us your website? Yes. Yeah, okay. um, we, are on all, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as Graysale Puppets, and uh, we have a lot of uh, stuff there you can check out, as well as our, our website. The three areas that I mentioned that we're in are all detailed there on stage, on camera, custom construction, you can see video of our work, and that's graysalepuppets.com, and it's G-R-E-Y, like the Elton John song, <laughs> puppets.com. Oh, Check great. it out. Yeah, I hope, I know people will. Um, thank you for sharing so much about your art and your passion and about the, um, the world of being a puppeteer. It's been really a pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me as the second Yes, 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 I am so grateful. Awesome. I am so grateful. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Elizabeth. We are excited to announce that Peabody's may now be heard on 10 listening platforms. We're available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, Radio, Public, and Stitcher. Woo! So we're thrilled to be able to announce that. And 
We are also live on Apple HomePod, so you can say, Hey Siri, play the podcast Peabody's Pursue the Art of Noticing and listen to us that way. Soon we will be live on Google Home, and you can try saying, Hey Google, play the podcast Peabody's Pursue the Art of Noticing, and you can hear us that way. So this is all really fun news for us that we wanted to share. And finally, we want to thank you again for taking the time to listen in. And we want to encourage you to leave a review, a comment, or a voice message for us. We love hearing from listeners. We love hearing from you. We are also honored and humbled when you share our podcast with friends. That, we believe, is the highest compliment, your words about us to others. Hey, everybody, this is Seymour Goodstuff from Grace Hill Puppets. I'm a little blue elephant. And guess what? I snuck the micro, 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 microphone away from Miss Elizabeth and Mr. Drew so I can say be sure to tune in to P-Biddies next Wednesday for something fantastic. Bye.